What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Couch in the Dungeon, brought to you by Rockhound Radio. This week is episode three, part three of classes. We're going to be covering the classes of Paladin, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard today. These are going to be very magical classes, so there's going to be quite a bit for us to cover. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump straight into today's episode. So we're going to start today's episode by talking about the Paladins. Paladins are um, your sacred divine energy, much like your clerics. They, uh, They have like an oath to a deity or a temple where they gain their strength and their powers from uh so starting with their hit points their hit point die is a 1d10 they get proficiencies in all armor and shields uh proficiencies with simple weapons and martial weapons unfortunately they do not get any proficiencies with tools but they are proficient in saving throws for wisdom and charisma They can choose two skills to be proficient in from the list of athletics, insight, intimidation, medicine, persuasion, and religion. Now, one of the first abilities they get is the Divine Sense. And Divine Sense allows them to register the presence of strong evil auras. So, as an action, they can open their awareness to detect these forces, and until the end of your next turn, they know the location of any celestial, fiend, fiend, or undead within 60 feet that is not behind total cover, and you know the type that it is. However, you do not learn the specific identity within the same radius. You can also detect the presence of any object or place that has been concentrated or desecrated, as with the hollow spell. You can use this up to a number of one times, one plus your charisma modifier. And the charisma is the spellcasting slot for paladins. Paladins also get a healing pool where they can... um, So... The Lay of Hands Healing Pool is something that replenishes upon every long rest, and you can use, restore a total number of hit points of five times your Paladin level. So, at level one, you can restore five hit points. At level two, you can restore up to ten hit points. And... Alternatively, you can expend five hit points from your from your pull. Oh my gosh! I sorry. I apologize for that. You can expend five hit points from your pool of healing to cure the target of one disease or neutralize one poison affecting it. You can cure multiple diseases and neutralize multiple poisons with each single use of lay of hands, expending the necessary hit points for each one. So, I've never played a paladin, so I knew what the lay of hands ability was, but 
I had never fully read it, so I did not know that you could actually use your lay of hands to cure diseases and poisons. Now, starting at level two, the paladins get to pick a fighting style, and I think that this is the one of the only ways that the paladin gets access to cantrips. They can pick the fighting style Blessed Warrior, and this allows them to learn two cantrips of their choice from the cleric spell list. And Blind Fighting is the second fighting style that they can choose, and this grants them Blind Sight within 10 feet, where you can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even if you're blinded or in darkness, and you can see invisible creatures unless they successfully hide. Defense gives the Paladin a plus one bonus to their AC while they're wearing armor. Dueling allows you to do a plus two bonus to damage rules with that weapon, as long as you only use uh, weapons or one hand. Great Weapon Fighting allows you to re-roll a 1 or a 2 damage die, but you must use the new, the new roll, and it must be wielded with two hands. Uh, Interception allows you to reduce damage by 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus. You must be wielding a shield or a simple or martial weapon to use this. It is a reaction. And then lastly, protection. When a creature you see attacks a target other than you see with other than you within five feet, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage with your shield. So that's super cool. And then also at level two, they unlock their spellcasting, and their spellcasting ability is charisma. They also gain their divine divine smite ability. And when they hit a weapon, when they hit a creature with their melee weapon attack, they can expend one spell slot to deal radiant damage to the target, in addition to the weapon damage. And then the extra damage is 2d8 for the first spell slot, and an additional 1d8 for a spell slot higher, spent higher. Excuse me. At third level, the Divine Magic makes you immune to disease, and you also get to take up your Sacred Oath at this level, and each Sacred Oath grants you a various list of different spells, and it also grants you various channel divinity, much like the Cleric's. And then at 5th level, Paladins also unlock a second attack. And it's important to remember that a second attack is not a second action. So with um, at 10th level, any creatures with or Aurora of Courage, you and any friendly creatures within 10 feet of you cannot be frightened. At 11th level, you get an improved Dine Smite, and it allows an extra 1d8 damage, so that would make it up to 3d8, I believe. And then at level 14, 
You unlock Cleansing Touch, where you can end your use your action to end one spell on yourself or a willing creature that you touch. Now, with that being said, we are going to start talking about their different subclasses, and we are going to be covering the Oath of Vengeance and then the Oath of Ancients. Alright, so starting with the Oath of Vengeance. Uh, the Oath of Vengeance are paladins that are more focused on fighting the greater evil. They really show no mercy for their sworn enemies and the wicked. They, the, you know, they, they go by no means necessary, and uh, their channel divinity kind of shows this. Uh, abjure enemy. Um, as their action within 60 feet, they can choose one creature within 60 feet, and it may make a wisdom saving throw unless it is immune to being frightened. And fiends and undead have disadvantage. On a fail, they are... Speed is reduced to zero for one minute or until it takes any damage. And the creature's... I mean, it's frightened. On a successful save, the creature's speed is halved for one minute or until it takes any damage. Uh, second channel divinity, Vow of Emony. As a bonus action, they can utter a word within to a creature within 10 feet, and you gain advantage on attack rolls against that creature for one minute or until it hits zero hit points. They gain some additional spells, including Bane and Hunter's Mark at level 3. At 5th fifth level, they get Hold Person and Misty Step, which is cool. And then, uh, obviously, as they keep leveling up, they still get more. By the seventh level, when they make an opportunity attack, they can move half of their speed immediately after the attack as part of that same reaction. And this movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. That is a super wild uh, ability that I did not realize that that subclass carried. Starting at the 15th level, the authority of which you speak, the Val of Emity, gives you greater power over the foe. When you creature under the effect makes an attack, you can use your react, reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature if it is within range. So that's really cool. That, that definitely ups your damage output. So moving on from the Oath of Vengeance... We're going to talk a little bit about the Oath of the Ancients. Uh, the Oath of the Ancients are kind of like there to rekindle the good in the world. Their acts of mercy and kindness and forgiveness kindle a light beating back to the despair. So, And their channel divinity at level 3 is called Nature's Wrath. You can use your channel divinity to... to to invoke primal forces to ensnare a foe. As an action, you can cause spectral vines to spring and reach for the creature within 10 feet that you can see. It must make a deck strength or dexterity saving throw, its choice, or be restrained. 
It repeats the end saving throw at the end of its turn. If it frees itself, the vines vanish. Uh, turn the faithless. You can utter ancient words that are painful for fey and fiends to hear. You present your holy symbol within 30 feet. They failed a saving throw. It is turned. A turned creature must spend its turn trying to move as far away as it can, and it can't move willingly move within 30 feet. It can't take reactions, and it can only use dash to try and escape. Uh, you also gain some spells. At level 3, you gain Ensnaring Strike and Speak with Animals. And then at 5th level, you get Misty Step and Moonbeam. And then there's uh, a few more as you continue to level up as well. Beginning at 7th level, the magic lies so heavily upon you that you know the Eldritch Ward. You and your friendly creatures within 10 feet have resistance to damage from spells. And at your 18th level, that Aurora increases by 30 feet, increases to 30 feet. Starting at level 15, if you're reduced to zero hit points and not outright killed, you can drop to one hit point instead. Once you use this ability, you can't use it again until you suffer a long rest. Additionally, you suffer none of the drawbacks of old age, and you can't be aged magically. Uh, at 20th level, you assume the form of an ancient force of nature, taking on an appearance you choose. Your skin might turn green, or it might take a bark-like texture. Your hair might become leafy or moss-like. You might spout antlers or a lion-like mane. You can use your action to undergo the transformation for one minute. You gain the following benefits. Uh, you can regain 10 hit points. You can cast a paladin spell as a bonus action. And enemy creatures within 10 feet of you would have saving throw. Disadvantage against saving throws. So those are, those are some pretty cool um, subclasses for the paladin. Obviously, like all the others, there are a whole host of subclasses that are in uh, other sources that we're probably going to end up covering sometime. And, of course, there's also uh, Oath of Devotion in the Player's Handbook as well, but we did not cover that today. Uh, so with that moving on, we're going to be moving on to our next class, and we're going to be talking about the Sorcerer. And jumping right into the next class, where you're moving on to the Sorcerer. Now, the Sorcerer right off the rip gets to pick their Sorceress Origin at level 1. And the only two available in the player's handbook would be the Draconic Bloodline and Wild Magic. And we'll get to covering those in just a second. But let's go over some of the other stats of the sorcerer so their charisma is their spell casting ability so you'd probably want to put that as your highest stat followed by either constitution or perhaps dexterity maybe and then you get to choose a series of 
cantrips, and along with your first level spells, of course. Their hit dice is a 1d6. They don't have any proficiencies in armor. They get proficiencies in daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light crossbows. They don't start out proficient with any tools, and their saving throws are constitution and charisma. For proficiency in skills, they can choose from arcana, which would be deciphering like magic and things, deception, which is how well you're able to deceive somebody, insight, which is how you're able to see into somebody's deception or somebody's lying to you, intimidation, if you're trying to intimidate somebody, of course, persuasion, and then lastly, your religion. So you get to pick two of those to be proficient in. For starting equipment, they can get a light crossbow and 20 bolts, or any simple weapon. A component pouch to hold uh, components for your spells that use items that cost coin, or an arcane focus. Your dungeoneer's pack, or an explorer's pack, and two daggers. At first level, they get four cantrips. And they have two spell slots. At second level, they unlock what becomes known as sorcery points. And sorcery points can be used to cast... Uh, you can do change various things that you do with your spell casting, and you can also use them. You can spend two sorcery points to gain a spell slot back, or you can spend a spell slot to gain an equal number of sorcery points. And you can do things like double the range of a spell, uh, making a spell last longer. You can. Ex- quicken a spell so that you can cast it as a bonus action or you can twin a spell so that you can fire it at uh, two or more targets and for their sorcerer's origin if you choose the draconic bloodline you get to pick a dragon type and then you gain a resistance to that dragon type so if you have if you pick a black dragon you would be resistant to acid damage is essentially what it's getting at and it has an effect on some features that you gain and uh just some damages that you do at 14th level with draconic bloodline they can sprout a pair of wings for up to a minute And they gain an elemental affinity to whatever uh, draconic line they choose, obviously. Now going from that to the wild magic. or If you roll one, uh, you have a wild magic surge and your DM will roll from a table... Or perhaps they'll have you roll from the table to determine the effect. 
and it's a 1d100 die, so there is a lot of options that can happen there. Uh, they gain the Tides of Chaos, where you can basically gain advantage on one attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, and then that resets every long rest. At level 6, you can spend two sorcery points to roll 1d4 and either apply that as a bonus or a penalty to another creature that you can see. And then Controlled Chaos at level 14, whenever you roll for your Wild Surge, you can roll twice and then pick either number. And then at level 18, you can uh, basically, if you roll the highest on a number of damage dice, you can pick one of the dice and re-roll it and add that roll to the damage. You can only do that once per turn, but that's still pretty cool. So we kind of, I know we spent a lot of time talking about the Paladin and the Paladin subclasses, and I kind of glazed over the uh, Sorcerer, but, I mean, the Sorcerers have a lot of stuff, but it doesn't really offer a lot with just the player's handbook. Now, if we were covering some of our other subclasses, we would probably be here for a minute. And uh, moving on, we're going to move right on to talk about Warlocks. And Warlocks and Wizards is also the, what we're going to be talking about after that. And I got to say, they're probably going to take a minute. Although I might just kind of dumb it down. We'll see. You never know. Now, jumping into the Warlock... They have made a pack with an otherworldly patron to gain access to their magic. Their highest stat that you're going to want is going to be Charisma. That's their uh, spellcasting ability. Your second you're probably going to want is going to either be Constitution or... I, I, I'm going to say it again, probably Dexterity or maybe Wisdom. Now, at level 1, they get to meet their otherworldly pagan and select their pack magic. And there are three different... Hang on here. No, the pack magic just gives them access to their spells, of course. Um, so their hit dice is a 1d8. They are proficient in light armor and simple weapons. They're not proficient in any tools. However, their saving throws, they are proficient in wisdom and charisma. They can choose two skills from arcana, deception, history, intimidation, investigation, nature, and religion. Their equipment is a light crossbow and 20 crossbolts, or any simple weapon, a component pouch or an arcane focus, or a scholar's pack and a, or a dungeoneer's pack. 
They also get leather armor, any simple weapon, and two daggers. They know two cantrips at level one. And they have one first level spell slot. Now at the second level, they unlock what is called Eldric Invocations. And there are a huge number of these Eldric Invocations. Just to give you an idea of some of the ones that you can get. Excuse me. At level one. You gain, at level two, you can pick any two, so you can get Agonizing Blast, which as long as you know the Eldritch Blast cantrip, you can add your Charisma modifier to the damage. Armor of Shadows allows you to cast Mage Armor at will without expending a spell slot. Uh, Beast Speech allows you to cast Speak with Animals at will. Beguiling Influence allows you to gain proficiency in Deception and Persuasion. And uh, there's there's like a, there's a number of these, and some of them you can only get at certain levels, and some of them only you can only get depending upon what type of pack boon you choose at level three. Now your pack boons are Pack of the Blade. Here you create a, a pack with a weapon in your hand, and it counts as magical for overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. Uh, you can summon the weapon. It disappears if it's more than five feet away from you for a minute. You'd also, if it disappears, you can use this feature again, or you can dis dismiss the weapon as no action. You can transform a magic weapon into your pack weapon by performing the ritual and you can change your pack weapon by performing a ritual however that breaks the bond with your previous weapon uh, pack of the chain allows you to learn the find familiar spell and cast it as a ritual when you cast you can have it in a normal form or it can form as an imp pseudo dragon or a sprite. Uh, you can forego one of your attacks to allow your familiar to attack. And then pack of the talisman. You gain a talisman that you can use to whenever you fail an ability check. You can roll a 1d4 and add that. And you can use that number equal times to your proficiency bonus. And it restores on a long rest. And if you lose the talisman, you can perform a ceremony to receive a replacement. Uh, Pack of the Tome gives you a book called Book of Shadows, and it allows you to pick three cantrips from any class. And then as long as you have that book on your person, you can cast those three cantrips at will. Uh... You unlock Mystic Arcanum at level 11, which allows you to pick a 6-level spell. And you can cast this spell once without expending a spell slot. And then you get that again at 13th level and 15th level and 17th level. 
now moving on into we're going to cover we're going to cover the great old one and possibly either the fiend or the arch fay for the subclasses the great old one gives you access to a list of different spells it also allows you to be able to speak with any creature within 30 feet in front of you telepathically at 6th level When an attack when a creature makes an attack roll against you, you can use your reaction to oppose disadvantage. If it misses you, your next attack has advantage on that creature. At tenth level, your thoughts cannot be read by telepathy or other means unless you allow it, and you gain resistance to psychic damage. And You can create a thought which allows you to charm an incapacitated humanoid until a remove curse spell is cast. And you can speak telepathically with that charmed creature as long as the two of you are on the same place of exist plane of existence. That's really cool. It's definitely something unique. Um We're gonna cover the Arch Fay. So the Archfey gives you another list of spells that you can choose from. You can also Fey Presence. Creatures that fail within a 10 foot, a saving throw within 10 feet, are all either charmed or frightened of you by your choice until the end of your next turn. At 6th level, they can cast... When you take damage, you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport up to 60 feet. And you remain invisible until the start of your next turn or you attack. At 10th level, you become immune to being charmed. And when another creature attempts to charm you, you can use your reaction to attempt to charm back on that creature. They must make a saving throw against you or be charmed by a minute. And then at 14th level, you can you can cast an illusion and make attempt to charm or frighten by your choice another creature within 60 feet. So that's really kind of impressive. I've never gotten a chance to play the Warlock, and I'm thinking if I were to go... Personally, my choice would probably be the great old one. Being able to telepathically speak with people would really come in handy. So, we're going to be moving on to our very last class to cover in the player's handbook. And that is going to be the Diabolical Wizard. Alright, and last, but certainly not least, we have the class of the Wizard. First, you're going to want your intelligence modifier because intelligence is their spellcasting ability. Now, wizards are an extremely squishy class, so you're going to want to make sure your second highest score is your constitution so that you get that constitution modifier high so that it bumps up your health with every level up. 
Uh, I would probably make Dexterity your third choice. And they gain their spellcasting at level 1. And they get 3 cantrips and 2 first level spell slots. Uh, their hit points are a 1d6 die. They are not proficient in any armor. The only weapons they're proficient with are daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light crossbows. No proficiency with saving with tools, and their saving throws are intelligence and wisdom. They can choose from arcana, history, insight, investigation, medicine, or religion. You can choose two of those skills to be proficient in. Their starting equipment is a quarterstaff or dagger, a component pouch or an arcane focus, a scholar's pack or an explorer's pack, and a spell book, which contains all of their spells. And one thing that I'm going to warn you about, when you're with your DM, you are going to want to make sure that you have a copy of a spell book. Because if you lose that spell book, it means you lose all your spells and your ability to cast spells. So you'll definitely want to make sure you have a backup spell book somewhere. Uh, they can ritual cast anything that has a ritual tag and you don't need to have it prepared. At level 1, they, regain, they have arcane recovery. Once a day, when they finish a short rest, you can choose expanded soul slots to recover. They can have a combined level that is equal to or less than half of your wizard level rounded up, and none of the slots can be six or higher. At level two, you get to pick an arcane tradition which shapes how you practice your magic in one of the eight schools. Abjuration, Conjuration, Divination, Enchantment, Invocation, Evocation, Illusion, Necromancy, or Transmission. Uh, now, each one of these, it allows you to copy a new spell into your spell book for half of the gold and half of the time for that school that you chose. However, outside of that, it allows you to mess and toy with some of your different skills. So you're, I, I'm. We're gonna cover two. We'll cover a uh, school of conjuration and school of divination. Divination. Sorry, I can't speak today. At the 18th level, they can choose a first level spell or a second level spell that are in this, and you can cast them at the lowest level without expending a spell slot if you have them prepared. So that's pretty neat. Now, School of Conjuration. You can conjure an magic object at level 2. It's no more than three feet on a side and can weigh more, more than ten pounds, but it ha and it has a form of a non-magical object that you've seen. At sixth level, you can teleport up to thirty feet into an unoccupied space that you can see, or you can choose a creature that is small or medium, and if they are willing, you teleport and you swap places. 
And if you are concentrating on a spell at 10th level, concentrating on a conjugation spell, your concentration can't be broken as a result of taking damage, which is cool. And then at 14th level, any creature that you summon or create with a conjugation spell has temporary 30 temporary hit points. I did not know that. That's something unique. So now talking about the divination, if you chose the divination school at level two, you get glimpses into the future. You can roll two d20s, record the numbers rolled, and you can replace any attack roll, saving throw, ability that you can see with one of these rolls. You must choose to do so before the roll, and then you can replace the roll in this way only once per turn, and you can you lose the you have to re-roll every long rest. At sixth level, casting divination spells comes easily that it expends only a fraction of your efforts. When you cast a spell level second or higher using a spell slot, you regain one expended spell slot. The slot you regain must be lower level and it can't be higher than fifth. At 10th level, you gain the third eye. You can use your hours, your action to increase your powers of percep- perception. Choose one of the following benefits. It lasts until you are incapacitated. Take a short or long rest. Uh, you can gain dark vision up to 60 feet. You can gain ethereal sight to see into the ethereal plane within 60 feet. You can get Greater comprehension to read any language, or you can gain sea invisibility, which allows you to see individual creatures, indivisible creatures and objects. And at level 14, your greater portent, which allows you to roll 3d20s rather than two, and then you can have three rolls saved up so i gotta say that that would probably be my choice if i were to make a wizard just to have some d turning rolls stacked up knowing that if you're a race it doesn't have dark vision you could give yourself dark vision whenever after a certain level would be pretty sweet so hopefully you guys uh learned a little something about some of these classes today and uh, we'll catch you on the next one